Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week I have Professor David Harper, who is a author of the book uh, Bio Diet, and he is an expert in human nutrition and uh, the keto diet uh, and ketosis for therapeutic purposes. And today we've been, you know, in the past we've done a couple of episodes on the keto diet, um, it's and its therapeutic uses, and today we're going to go even more deeper into that subject and learn all about it. Uh, and I highly recommend his book, The Bio Diet. Uh, so Dr. David Harper, or Professor David Harper, uh, to guest here on Pushing the Limits. Before we head over to the show, uh, just a reminder about our epigenetics program. If you're looking to understand your own DNA and how to optimize your genetics and optimize your environment to those genes, then make sure you check out our epigenetics program. Uh, this is for people who want to optimize their health or people who have health issues and don't understand why uh, people who want to understand how their body works and what environment to put that body in, what types of food, what times to exercise, how your brain works, how your mood and behavior is affected, your personality traits that you will develop given your uh, genetic makeup and what you can do about it to influence that. Just so many aspects of life. It's a really fascinating program, and I would love you to check it out. Head over to lisatarmity.com and hit the Work With Us button. You'll see our Peak Every Genetics program. You'll also see our Run Coaching. Running Hot Coaching is our the name of our uh, company. We train over 700 athletes all around the world help them optimize their run training and whether you're a beginner or an expert if you want a personalized run training program um, then please check out what we do there okay over to the show with professor david harper Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have Professor David Harper with me from Canada. Welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you, Dave. Oh, it's <laughs> great to see you and meet you. I know we've chatted uh, before a few times, uh, but uh, very uh, delighted to be on your show today. This is going to be a really interesting uh, podcast because it's one of my favorite topics and something that I'm, you know, very uh, passionate about is uh, nutrition and diet. And you are the author of The Bio Diet. Uh, you're also a professor. Can you, can you give people a little bit of a background about who you are and, and where you came from? And then I'd like to also go into your backstory about, you know, what you used to believe about food and what you believe now as someone who is a professor in this area. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll give you the, the, the sort of thumbnail CV yeah. uh, overview. <laughs> uh, PhD from the University of British Columbia in Life Sciences. I did uh, postdoctoral fellowships at uh, Woods Hole uh, in, 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 in uh, Massachusetts. And then I did uh, another uh, postdoc for two years um, in physiology at the University of Cambridge, UK. Um, I've been a, uh, I'm now an associate professor of kinesiology uh, at the University of the Fraser Valley, which is in Abbotsford, British Columbia, here up in Canada. Um, and uh, and then I, I I've been researching nutrition. I, I sort of switched my research focus to to nutrition and specifically the therapeutic benefits of ketogenic diets uh, for chronic disease about ten years ago. Um, I designed and uh, adopted ketogenic diet first. I figured I'd better experiment with myself first before I applied it elsewhere. Elsewhere, and, and um, you know, I counsel people individually, but most of the work I do is with in research. Uh, so our present research project, which is in cooperation with uh, 
Dr. Jeff Volek's group. Uh, those who know ketogenic diets would know uh, Dr. Volek at uh, Ohio State University and his team, amazing team there. Um, and we're doing a three-year study. We're just wrapping up actually looking at the therapeutic benefits of ketogenic diets uh, for, uh, women with metastatic breast cancer. Wow. Um, so we're just writing that up and, um, we can talk about that a little bit, but, uh, that's sort of my background. And I, I, I have to say, I, I, I come to this really honestly because I, I initially bought into the conventional wisdom that, you know, a high carb, low fat diet was the healthy one. And I taught that to students for 30 years. So in my, my book, bio diet, which I have here, I can hold it up there for you <laughs> is, uh, um, it's really a how-to and a why-to. So for those who are interested, it's, it's, it's developed for the lay person. In fact, maybe even for your family practice physician, so they know how to do what a, what a ketogenic diet is Brilliant. and the basis of it, and the science of it, and then a step-by-step how-to process. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been up to the last 10 years. Lisa. Yeah, the last 10 years, the last 30, 40 years. Now, let's go back a little bit and just tell a little bit of that story. So for the last 40 years, the, the guidelines on nutrition were, were very much uh, the fat was the, the monster in the room and it was the one that was demonized and we have to get rid of the fat out of the diet and that's what's causing heart attacks and so on. And this built a whole food industry around the low-fat products, the ultra-processed low-fat products with a whole lot of sugar in them. Um, and for, for, for decades, um, this has been the guidelines to have low-fat and, and you know, eat your grains, eat your bread, um, have lots of fruit um, and, and lots of uh, what's ended up being a ultra-processed diet. Um, you, you made a statement on your website that, and, I, and I'd like to read it if I can. Um, we can consider the past 40 years nutritional recommendations as a grand experiment conducted by health bureaucrats on hundreds of millions of North America, Americans investig- investigating the effects of low-fat, high-carb diet. And I thought that was brilliant because that's exactly what has been going on. Um, yeah. And that's quite a bold statement, though, to make. Because you 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 sort of ruffle the feathers of um, many in the food industry, I should imagine, when you say something like that. <laughs> You're brave. 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 <laughs> no, no death threats yet, but I yeah, I ruffle <laughs> a lot of feathers. I mean, I, I think what I have to say is not what the processed food industry wants to hear, because uh, essentially, uh, ketogenic diets you don't really eat any processed food unless you consider you know cheese and wine processed or or whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, I think you know you, you there 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 is this constant debate. Uh, and you can see it online as well. And, and, um, it's very polluted. Like for someone who came, my background is in mathematical biofluid dynamics. So for someone who came from a very precise, precise sort of physics based thing to, to start looking at something like nutrition and metabolism. When I waded into this, it was just so mucky, uh, the science. And so the first thing I did, uh, you know, I was taken down the rabbit hole by a, a local uh, colleague of mine, Dr. Richard Mathias from the UBC School of Public Health. We were debating on radio one day whether, you know, whether uh, exercise or whether nutrition is better for weight loss. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the sum of the story is it's about an 80-20 rule that 80% of weight loss, if that's what you're interested in, is diet related and only about 20% is yes. exercise related. Now, exercise is a wonderful thing. 
um, for all kinds of reasons, but it's not the best way to lose weight. If I that's can your first absolutely goal. attest to that <laughs> as an ultra marathon runner who was fatter when I was doing longer distance racing and, and eating lots of carbs. <laughs> and something like a third of uh, triathletes are actually overweight. Yep. Um, there, uh, and and a lot of that is probably carbo loading from the past and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, when I when I had that aha moment, we were talking about you know he asked me what do you think causes obesity and i gave the party line this is again about 12 years ago you know it's a multifactorial it's very complex there's metabolic issues and genetic issues and psychosocial issues yeah. and, and 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 he just sort of waited and waited and he said well not really he said what it is is your body's natural physiological response to excess carbohydrate in the diet and and I had been, you know, a professor of physiology for years, and it was <laughs> it was a strange moment because I had all this information in my head, all these facts about nutrition and metabolism and so on. And when he said that, everything just immediately locked into place. Yeah, it's a brilliant and, sentence. And, <laughs> yeah, and and so uh, and, and I just I just thought I actually went, you know, dead air, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you have yeah. everybody's. And so my you know co-host kind of jabbed me. I said, actually, that makes perfect sense to me. So I, I, I went and I researched and I tried to research the information that linked, um, uh, you know, the Ansel Keys model that linked uh, heart disease and cardiovascular disease to high fat, high saturated fat diets. Can you, I, yeah, I, can you I, tell us who Ansel Keys is and, and what the, the, the deciding moment there was? Yeah, Ansel Keys actually has a similar background to me in that he was a physiologist, uh, not a physician, and he also was from Cambridge University, uh, but he was in the United States uh, um, and um, working there. And, and essentially, he came up with the notion that uh, they were looking at, they were looking at uh, GIs coming back from World War II and seeing these young men with advanced cardiovascular disease and so on. And they had associated it with um, uh, high cholesterol in their blood. And cholesterol is, you know, we, we do a whole show on cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> Other people that can speak to it better than me. Uh, but he he basically said it's high high saturated fat and high cholesterol. That's what's causing heart disease. And 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 if you ask almost anybody on the planet, they'll still believe that. Yep. The problem, Lisa, is there was never any evidence. It was a nice hypothesis. Yes. And it also made sense in terms of weight gain because you know, fats are uh, twice the energy content per mm -hmm. gram uh, mm -hmm. than, than carbohydrates or proteins. So if you're eating more fat, you're consuming more energy. So therefore, you know, if you want to lose weight, you yeah, take out is. the thing with the highest energy content. And yeah. of course, it ignores the whole hormonal balance and all the rest of it. And it assumes that all calories are the same. And, and in fact, when you think about calories, calories don't have weight. Calories are units of energy. So, so the weight is what we eat. And so whether it has high calories or low calories it has some effect, of course, on your energy balance. But when you consider the calories to be the cause of weight loss or gain, you're, you're going down the wrong road. It's yep. the effect of the foods you eat on your metabolism. And in particular, I would argue on, on your on your hormone balance and, and insulin for sure. So so that's where that whole thing started. And Ansel Keys kind of drummed everybody else out of the business. And he took over as the head of the American Heart Association and, and they controlled all the funding. So for the last 40 years, wow. um, if you were funding, if you're researching nutrition, you had to research the model uh, that it was high fat diets that caused heart disease and other chronic disease. And therefore, lower fat, high, which is high carbohydrate diet, because uh, there's only three macronutrients, right? Yeah, you have it's got to come somewhere. 
proteins, fats, and 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 um, carbohydrates. So if you're going to take the fat out, you have to add the carbohydrates. So that started this whole processed food industry that thought, well, this is great. Carbohydrates are cheap to grow and produce, and we can sweeten them, and we can flavor them, Tastes and good. we can create. <laughs> yeah, cereals and and ding dongs and Twinkies and all kinds of crap. And people will eat this stuff because it tastes good because it's loaded with sugar, which of course is you know the highest um, glycemic index food you can eat. So what we did, and there was evidence, by the way, Lisa, back in those days in the seventies, good evidence that we actually knew then that sugar was the culprit and smoking was causing yep. the problem, not fat consumption. Wow. And so and so the good news is unless. 10 years, we were revisiting that whole model now. So uh, th- this is actually very similar to the cancer model. When we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we went down this hole because been deep in the cancer research, uh, you know, Otto Warburg, 1924, it's a metabolic disease. It was heading down that direction in the 1950s, uh, came along and we all went down the genetic when we discovered DNA and it became this genetic and it became, oh, drop that, that's sex here, let's go with this, this is this this explains everything. Uh, now, you know, things are coming back round to being, yes, it's a metabolic as well, there is genetics involved, but it's a metabolic disease, most uh, most importantly. Um, and this is very slow to catch on still. And so these paradigm shifts in the in, in academia and in, in w- when government institutions get involved and they set guidelines, this just takes decades to sometimes undo these paradigm shifts. And, you know, um, uh, with cardiovascular disease, it, it's it's inflammation, isn't it? So cholesterol is an inflammation disease, from my understanding. It's not coming from you having lots of uh, good fats, you know. And this is we need to talk about what what are good fats and what are bad fats. But um, so this is this forty years down a rabbit hole, going down the wrong direction, and this has you know impacted millions of lives. If we look at the statistics, in nineteen seventy, we had about fourteen in America. These are stats: fourteen uh, percent of the population were obese. Now I read on your website it's something like seventy percent. You know, let that sink in. <clears throat> yeah, overweight, overweight, and overweight. obese combined together. So, yeah. so when you get to that point. You know, it's almost it, it's and they say, oh, but it's starting to level off. Well, of course, because not everybody like there are those lucky people out there that can eat all they want. And never get obese. But they pretty try. much everybody that's an adult in the United States that uh, can be obese is obese. And it's because of the, you know, I call it the sad, the standard American diet. Which yeah. Sad is a good acronym for that. That sad diet that they're eating. Um, and in some subgroups like um, uh, African-American women in the United States, it's 84 percent. Uh, of adult women are, uh, you know, overweight or obese, and, and a huge proportion of them are, are, are obese. So, uh, and it affects, you know, lower socioeconomic groups more than others, you know, people that can't afford all the interventions and so on. Um, so, yeah, we did we did this experiment. And, and as, as I say in the book, well, you know, the results are in. You can see, you know, the rate of obesity that you're talking about um, in the United States. There's this huge inflection point at 1980. And 1980 was when the U.S. came out with the first dietary guidelines that told people to stop eating fat and start eating carbohydrates. And the food industry obliged. And so they're taking fat out of everything. Like if you try and find yogurt that you know, has yeah. fat in it, late high fat yogurt. Yep. Basically, if you take the yolk, if you take the fat out, you've got, you know, some kind of dairy protein. It's, it's like that glue, you know, we used to have as kids in school with sugar in it. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> uh, so, so we did, I, you know, I would just say, well, you know, that experiment's been done. Let's not do that anymore. And so with the ketogenic diets, now this is not 
uh, a fad. It's it's a you know it it, uh, it does absolutely have therapeutic benefit, and that's what we're measuring. I mean, if you go on to the internet, and I discourage uh, you know your listeners to to get their information from the internet. I mean, that's why I wrote the book. It's cheap. You can. Well, yeah, I, I would bucks. disagree there. I mean, the internet has all the greatest knowledge. It's got you right. It has the books. It has that podcast. It yeah. has the things. But you do, I agree, have to be careful where you get your sources from. Not your latest yeah. influencer on Instagram, please. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Well. Uh, yeah, I'm not an influencer on Instagram, but I mean, <laughs> but I, that's why it's on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I wrote the book for the lay public so that they yes. would have, you know, information from somebody who's actually doing the science on this stuff exactly. that, you know, takes the crap out. And um, so I explained a lot of this story in, in, in the first part of it. And I think now we're getting to the point where if you think about it, Lisa, and this is one of the criticisms that we get from, I'll call it the other side, from people who you know, want to maintain for their own vested interest this this model they have that fats are bad. They'll say, well, we don't know yet. There's not enough information <laughs> yet. And it's easy to say that because you will never have that information because to show that a nutritional intervention prevents disease, not treats, but prevents, you would have to get thousands of people to eat a controlled diet for decades and then look at the rate at which they contract cardiovascular disease or cancer, Alzheimer's. And then you could say, and there's no way you could control people's feeding that much. And there's no, our study at Ohio State, it's, a, you know, in Canadian or New Zealand dollars, about a million dollars. And that's 20 women in the experimental side for six months, you know, and yeah. we're only feeding them for three. So it's super. Expensive. So there isn't enough money on the planet to do that. So it's very easy to make that argument. Oh, we don't have enough information when they know there's no way you can ever get it. So instead of doing that, what we're saying is, OK, let's look at it. Uh, let's look at chronic disease. And when we're talking about chronic disease, we're talking about cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, um, metabolic diseases. And then uh, let's look at the markers for those diseases. So diabetes, high blood sugar, uh, uh, cardiovascular disease. Yes, inflammation is the key there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the cancer markers. And then, and then we can use a ketogenic diet in a short-term intervention and see if it changes those markers in right. a beneficial way. Yeah. And we get really good results. So we have, you know, the, the, the really solid um, uh, clinical data to support treatment of epilepsy, diabetes, uh, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, reduce all those markers, uh, and then all this merging evidence. And, and cancer treatment would be one of the emerging yeah. uh, ones. And uh, Yeah, we're, so we're now, and we can talk about that a little bit more detail later, but in general, when I say that, I, I always want to say that because I'm, you know, as a visiting scientist at the BC Cancer Research Center, Terry Fox Lab for, for years, and uh, it's not a cure for cancer. So, the, so you know, don't be misled to think it is. It's a good adjunct treatment for some cancers. And we've really only studied solid tumor cancers. So as opposed to, say, lymphomas and, and, and uh, you know, blood cancer. Although I've got mum and she's got lymphoma and we're yeah. doing very well. This is anecdotal, N of one. Uh, very well mm -hmm. on the keto diet, and I certainly would be putting it into the the mix of things that you're considering and yep. doing the research. But again, yeah, the the we need more studies. <laughs> we need more. Yeah, studies. no, and I mean every everybody on the planet is an N of one, right? So yeah. so you know when we talk about oh we need to do more research to see if ketogenic diet is a benefit or not, you know I'm uh, 61. I don't have 10 or 20 years that I want to wait for exactly. you know, evidence. <laughs> 
So, so, so I would just say, you know, it's not going to, you know, there, there are now in, in the second half of the book, uh, first of all, I always say, if you're going to do a ketogenic diet, the first person to talk to is your family practice physician, just in case there's contraindications. Yep. And in bio diet, I list in the second half, a couple pages of the thing. They're, they're really quite rare issues, most of them. Um, but for the, for the people that aren't, there, there aren't contraindications, it's not going to hurt you to try this for a few weeks. Um, there are some mild side effects you experience, you know, when you transition, transition. your metabolism. Yeah. But, you know, and you might have to have concomitant reduction of, say, hypertensive drugs or uh, hyperglycemic drugs, you know, diabetes drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in general, give it a try. And, and, and if, it start, if it's working for you and you feel better and you're losing weight and your skin's clearing up and your mood is better and you're sleeping, you know, then it's probably working for you. And it, I would, the, you know, back of the envelope ballpark, about seven out of eight people uh, will benefit from a ketogenic diet. And think about this. If you, if it's as good at reducing the incidence of chronic disease, those ones we mentioned, as I think, which is about a 70% reduction of incidence over lifetime, think of the savings to the healthcare system. Whoa, huge. Uh, yeah. I mean, diabetes alone in Canada is 30 or 40 billion a year yeah. to treat. Um, in the, yeah. In the United States, they expect by 2030, which is not that far off now, we're at 2022, uh, $660 billion just treating type 2 diabetes in the United yeah. States. To give to put that in perspective for your listeners, that's what the defense budget is this year. Huge. It's, it's huge. And this is uh, uh, that's not the, the human tragedy of it all. You die young, oh, you course. have many complications, you know, blindness, legs having to be chopped off, God knows. And this is a, uh, diabetes. And I think people need to understand the connection between diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancers, uh, cardiovascular disease, these are related in their, in their origin. And you can explain this better being the scientist. But people think, think that, oh, you've got diabetes, it's got nothing to do with heart disease, it's got nothing to do with Alzheimer's, it's got nothing to do with cancer. These are all diseases of a similar metabolic problem, aren't they? Can you explain that connection a little bit? And I know yeah, we need more you, studies, but yeah. No, you put that together really nicely, Lisa. I mean, I... I and it's the same thing I had. Cause so the weird thing about ketogenic diets, they seem to have this real benefit for uh, neurological uh, disorders. Yes, huge. And um, so epilepsy, for sure, good evidence for autism, good evidence for Parkinson's, and then, and then all these other metabolic uh, disorders like cardiovascular disease and cancer and diabetes. And, and where do those things connect? And so uh, what I've come up with in BioDiet is, uh, is a model, and I presented this model all over the world. It's very, very simple. And, you know, you don't need to write this one down. Just picture a triangle um, and, and you have insulin resistance, inflammation and obesity. Uh, those three yeah. things, those three things are, this is where I get the 70% number. So if you look up how many, uh, you know, what percentage of disease is related to insulin resistance, you'll find a number of about 70%. How much is related to obesity? About 70%. Cancer, for example, after smoking, it's the second biggest lifestyle issue is obesity. Yep. Um, and how many are related to insul inflammation? 70%. So that's why I figure. Wow. So, 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 and the thing about those three things, Lisa, is they, is they all tend to make each other worse. Yes. So if you're insulin resistant, you become more inflamed and more obese. more obese. And if you're more obese, you become more insulin resistant and so on. So they make each other worse. Yep. And so I kind of view this as a positive feedback thing. And eventually it results in a state of poor metabolic health. 
that will then manifest itself, or as we say in the clinic, present as one of these chronic diseases. So if it's your blood sugar, it's affecting first, they'll tell you you're pre-diabetic or diabetic because your blood sugar is out of range. Uh, if you start having hypertension or high blood pressure or you know other related symptoms related to cardiovascular disease, they'll say you have a cardiovascular issue. You know, um, uh, if it if it's cancer, if they're seeing abnormal growth and that sort of thing, they'll come. But even though these are different diseases, this is simply how we define and describe them, right? Yeah. So it's it is somewhat arbitrary. And and so if you say okay. Um, but why is it that people that are obese get more cancer and cardiovascular disease and so on? Why is it people that are in re insulin resistant get more cancer and so on? And, and it's because the root cause, and this is, uh, you know, I'm also a design thinking yeah. advocate. So this. the root cause is somewhere deeper than that. Yep. So let's look at, let's look at how we treat type 2 diabetes. So you, your blood sugar is going up. Uh, your physician says, you know, it's over X number seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to treat that. They'll give you a drug, maybe metformin or one of the mm -hmm. fancy SGL2T inhibitors, mm -hmm. or if it's getting really bad insulin, that'll bring your, bring your blood sugar down. So they go there. Okay. There you it go. Look at blood sugar back down. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, the thing is, you're not, you're treating the symptom, not the disease. So yeah. the disease is at the cellular metabolic level, at the mitochondrial level, probably. And by treating that, you're not actually even trying to cure the disease. You're managing the natural inexorable progress of that disease, which will shorten your life for, by seven to 10 years, and it, and it won't end well. But if you use sort of a, a different approach of asking why and going deeper to the root cause, so why is your blood sugar too high? Well, you're unable to control it. Why is that? Well, you're becoming insulin resistant. Oh, okay. Makes sense because insulin takes sugar out of your blood. Why am I insulin resistant? We've been producing too much insulin for too long. Why am I producing all this insulin? Well, you produce insulin response to carbohydrate in your blood. Why do I have so much carbohydrate in your blood? Well, because we've been telling you to eat <laughs> carbohydrate for 30 years, yeah. and it doesn't happen overnight, but over a decade, yeah, you'll get enough insulin resistance. So what happens if we just take the carbohydrate out of your diet? Well, in our studies, you know, and if you look at the, the Virtus studies too, often people, even people that have been type 2 diabetic, you know, treating it sometimes even with insulin for decades or a decade. Yeah. Within four weeks, they're off their drugs. Yeah, isn't and, that and, amazing? Four weeks. Because of what we're doing, we're just reestablishing that natural. And as they get off their drug, they're also losing weights. So their obesity goes down. If we measure their high sensitivity CRP, their inflammation is going down. So if you picture that three thing with the inflammation, uh, insulin resistance, and obesity, adding a high-carb diet to that, high glycemic index, high sugar, high processed food, spins that thing around faster and faster, positive feedback cycle, and it will eventually become one or more, we call them comorbidities, but it's more yep. of these diseases. The good news is, the great news is if you just take that carbohydrate out and you put in fat instead, and saturated fat is fine in the absence of high, high glycemic index carbohydrate, it goes the other way around. It starts to resolve itself. The insulin resistance goes down. The obesity goes down. The inflammation goes down. And you find yourself in better and better health and lower risk of disease. And uh, so, I mean, that I, to me, that's fantastic news that everybody needs to hear. The, yeah. the other thing I'll just add to that, and, and, and I'm careful when I say this because we have done none of the experiments, but if you look at the people that are having bad COVID outcomes, those are people yeah. in poor metabolic health. That is absolutely known. Yep. And so if we can improve the overall metabolic health of the public, we would reduce the burden on our hospitals oh, again through that. Thank right? you. Thank you. Finally, an academic who's saying, hey, maybe we should look at the nutritional status and the health of the people and 
recommend that they also <laughs> do something to improve their health. To well, that's where I have to think. It's where I have to thank you, Lisa. I mean, you know, you 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 help get that message out, right? We were having that conversation in our lab meeting the other day. Like, we really have to let people know yeah. that the big, you know, if you look at the places that are having big problems, it's places that have big problems with poor yeah, metabolic health. Yeah, and 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 yeah. yeah, you can have vaccines and treatments and all that sort of thing. But 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 if if everybody was in good metabolic health, we wouldn't be worrying about the hospitals being overloaded right now exactly. because they're being overloaded by people that the virus is taking advantage of their poor metabolic health to advance its own, you know, yep. re replication and spread and so on. So it's, I, you know, and again, as a scientist, we haven't done that experiment. We probably won't do that experiment, but it would make sense that if the people in hospital have, are in poor metabolic health, and you can find that anywhere, that getting people in good metabolic health would reduce that number. That just follows, it, right? There's just absolute logics. And, and to my mind, you know, the basic things that are antiviral in the body, like the vitamin Ds and, um, <clears throat> you know, upping your vitamin C and all those sort of basic things that let's just, you know, let's do that as well. You know, let's do that as well. Yeah. And so well, that if we you're, can actually be in help, you know, better help. If, if your listeners are, are interested, um, I, it was called uh, uh, Keto Salt Lake. I did a, they can just put my name in, David Harper, David G. Harper. That's sort of my professional name. And look up Keto Salt Lake. I, I did a, uh, um, uh, it was last, it was a, a virtual, you know, but I talk about that. Is, 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 okay. is, is it possible that a ketogenic diet could have benefit? And I talk about its effects on metabolic health. But I also talk about what we do know from the science about the benefits to your innate immune system, which is the inflammatory response, and the benefits to your um, your adaptive immune system as well. Wow. So if they're interested like in being, more, they can go and I would like to do that. Yeah, so that's looking at being in ketosis and having ketones in your blood can actually improve. Is that what I'm hearing? So that your IL-1 and your IL-6 and your <clears throat> tuna yeah, ketones ketones are Ketones are a part of it more, yeah, more at the, at the not maybe so much the overall metabolic health, but but the uh, at the innate and, and adaptive immune system. There there wow. there are effects now whether it's the actual ketones or you know the reduction, the reduction of insulin of and that sort of thing. Yeah, again, we don't we haven't done the experiments yet, and and you know be, because we hope COVID will be. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, don't we? Don't we all? <laughs> but it's only the latest, right? There, I mean, if yeah. you're in good metabolic health, your resistance to any chronic disease should be improved through the same mechanisms. But what I talk about in that talk is specifically mm -hmm. about uh, COVID, and and I don't draw any conclusion. I say here's the science. Yeah. Here's the science to show how a ketogenic diet affects your metabolic health, Make how it affects your choice. innate immune system, your adapt and and here's how it might play out uh, with that particular virus. Yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N.lisatarmaty.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So 
we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. And into that mix where we're talking about these diseases and the connections are Alzheimer's and dementias uh, and cancers. So, um, and on osteo, osteoarthritis. So arthritis, I've been studying just because it's on my mind. I'm uh, studying arthritis at the moment. And it's a disease. It's a disease. It's, an, it's a disease process. It's not just, oh, I hurt my knee at tennis the other day and I've got osteo now it is actually a disease process that is also very dependent on inflammation and all of these things again come into it so when you have degeneration in joints you can bet your bottom dollar that somewhere in the rest of your system is struggling with inflammation you know Um, so that was really interesting for me yesterday i'm just a cursory look into it but I was like, wow, even arthritis, even arthritis yeah. has a connection to this. Yeah, uh, and, and it, you weird. know, when people, when I, when, I, when I talk in public about this, I call it the axis of illness, these three factors that, that are at the root cause of chronic disease, say, well, how do you know you're obese? Well, that's easy. You know, you stand in front of a mirror and turn sideways and you'll know if you are or not. Um, how do you know if you're inflamed? Well, you probably hurt. So, you know, yeah. there's this notion that as we get older, you just hurt all the time, you know, and yeah. the old joke, what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And that just doesn't have to happen. I know in free life, I take yeah, no me medication too. that you don't, you don't need to. Um, but if you are inflamed, that will aggravate these other diseases. So that's how you can, if you just ache all the time, you hurt. Now that's different from injury, right? What I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, or any degenerative disease or whatever. If you just ache all the time, you're sore. It's an indication that you're probably inflamed. Now you can go and get a blood test for this high sensitivity CRP, which is C-reactive protein. Um, And, and, but how do you know if you're insulin resistant? Well, that's really hard to tell unless you're measuring your blood sugar levels or your blood insulin levels, like we do in the clinic when in our studies, but, but in general with people that are aging and I, I I work mostly with postmenopausal women that have chronic disease. um, It's the brain fog that women complain about. It's just like, and I remember one woman, uh, this was uh, a while back, but it was, it's a story I love to tell because I was in my office and she'd been doing uh, one of the clinical studies. uh, She's a a participant in one of the clinical studies and she came in my office and in the morning she comes storming in. She goes, I just want to thank you. And I said, sure. What for? And she said, something about this diet has changed me. And I go, that's great. That's what it's supposed to do. What changed? And she said, well, it feels like I had this cotton wool in my head and you've just pulled it all out. And I suddenly have this clarity. And so uh, this happens in about one of three people when they adopt the ketogenic diet. My friends call it the Harper high. All all of a sudden your brain will start, and this gets to Alzheimer's too. Your brain can metabolize ketones. In fact, it prefers the beta hydroxybutyrate, the main ketone over glucose. Yep. And as, as I think most people probably know, your brain doesn't use uh, fats or, or carbohydrates, uh, sorry, fats or proteins as fuel. It, it really is glucose dependent, but it will also prefer uh, exactly. BFE. Now, the, 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 the ketone, it has less uh, reactive oxygen species are produced, so it's less oxidative, less inflam- inflammation. Uh, it's a cleaner burning fuel. It's kind of like 
my friend, Dr. Stephen Cunane, Cunane at uh, University of Sherbrooke says, it's kind of like switching your car from a gas-powered car and all the carbon deposits to an electric car. And suddenly, great. That's so, a great so analogy. Yeah. And so for some Basic people... Cubes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, it, the adaptation to a metabolic change, especially if you've been, you know, eating a high carb diet for long, it doesn't happen immediately. But what happens are you 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 put these you know stressors on your cells to change its metabolism, and that turns genes on. And I think what's happening with these people in the brain is all of a sudden the pathways that provide the proteins that allow them to best use those ketones are there, and they turn on suddenly like those those genes turn on the proteins are there. Boom! All of a sudden their brain's working again. They go, oh my god! But isn't that also it's like, like a, isn't that also that like the insulin, like I know this from brain injuries and studying brain injuries because of my mom's story. Um, mm. uh, and and, and this, is, this gets me really rolled up when I think about that in uh, patients with strokes and, and aneurysms and the like in hospitals and they put them on a glucose bloody drip and, and, and your, your ability to uptake glucose when you have a brain injury is impaired. Also, when you are insulin resistance, your ability to uptake glucose into the brain is impaired. And yeah, so not, you're not, not quite. Eating. Yeah, right. not quite. Right. So, so it's slightly different there. You're right. Um, the insulin is necessary for the metabolism of glucose in the brain, uh, but the receptors are slightly different. So, mo the receptors, particularly in your muscles and your fat tissue, uh, they are insulin dependent. So, you need mm -hmm. insulin to get the sugar into those yeah. cells. The brain cells are not insulin dependent, and it's probably because you know it's necessary to get sugar into the brain as the as the primary yeah, fuel. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean insulin doesn't do anything in the brain. The insulin is important. So instead of being, you know, the key that gets you in the door to start the car, it's the fuel pump that you know allows you once you turn that key to get the fuel system running to provide the energy that you need in your brain. So it does play a role. But there is an actual um, metabolic dysregulation in the brain when you've had yes. brain injury and you are unable to take, that's what I mean, the, the glucose yeah. up into the brain. And then you provide ketones and the brain, mm. once it adapts a little bit, goes, oh, and this is why anyone yeah. with a stroke and a, you know, or anything like that, I'm trying to get them to have ketones, whether even that's exogenous ketones, if yeah. they won't do the keto diet, just to provide and, and fish oils and things like that as well. Uh, provide that substrate so that the brain actually has a fuel because it's not able to get its normal when there's a massive inflammation and I certainly don't understand the biochemistry of it um, but it's unable there's an impairment in being able to uptake that glucose yep. and this yep. is happening also in dementia and uh, patients I believe is that right yeah uh, they're also uh, unable to take up the glucose so a keto yeah, well, for that th there's a lot in there yeah, <laughs> and again, you, you need said. more studies but, so let's go back to the Alzheimer's. Yeah. So uh, Suzanne Delamonte at Brown University years ago, uh, she defined Alzheimer's as type 3 diabetes, yes. so a, an insulin resistance of the brain. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, again, you know, in this, in this um, medical model, we define things arbitrarily, but our medical systems are disease management systems. They're not really optimal. Like we don't spend that much on optimizing health. We, we, we wait till it breaks down, then we try and fix it. So when we're studying people with Alzheimer's, it's often people that have quite significant um, cognitive decline. And, and so Stephen Cunane, uh, again, I encourage you to look at his studies. Um, he, uh, he's taking you know, normal cognitive function, people with mild cognitive impairment, um, slowing a bit, but not through disease. And then people with Alzheimer's, and he uses exogenous ketone. He's just using MCT oil. 
Uh, and don't confuse MCT oil. There's an MCT transporter, which gets the glucose yes, into the neurons. Confusing. Yeah. Different thing. MCT, uh, M- oil. MCT oil is medium chain triglycerides, basically mm. coconut oil. See, and there's different types. There's C6, 8, 10, 12, yeah. and then you get into the uh, linoleic acid is 12. Um, so eight, actually yeah. six is the best, but nobody can tolerate it. It just tastes awful and it make you throw up. Eight <laughs> is tasteless and it's really good. So you can get pure C8. Um, yep. Uh, he's using two tablespoons a day uh, Mm -hmm. with patients that are normal. And he's seeing improvements in Alzheimer's patients, improvements in those with mild cognitive impairment. But here's the cool thing, I think. More than 100%, 110 15% on people with normal cognitive function. Wow. What? So if you want to increase your (laughs) productivity performance. So, you know, no surprise, there's people, uh, you know, Dom, Di- Dom Diagostino and yeah, working with, uh, say, Navy SEALs and so on, looking at, you know, when you're, when you're, can you stay submerged because you're using less oxygen yeah. in your brain, you stay underwater yep. longer and so on. So we're, we're realizing that, that the ketones don't just provide optimal help. They might actually even improve brain function over and above what you expect. And so, you know, even (laughs) stockbrokers and lawyers and things like that. Now, um, just a bit of warning uh, for those. Yes, go and get your, you can just use coconut oil, but if you can get pure C8, it's not cheap, but it's tasteless. It's an oil. With some people, it will cause a pretty rapid intestinal urgency, let's call it that. Um, And you will adapt to that. But I would start with maybe a teaspoon, see how that goes. And then maybe a couple days later, go to two teaspoons and then, you know, a a tablespoon a day. If you're keto adapted, of course, you're producing all the ketones you need. So you don't really need I put them all in the mix. I put the, you know, exogenous ketones, the BHB, the DBHB, and uh, the the MCT, C8, and and the keto diet, um, you know, especially with mum, to keep that. You're trying to get the ketone levels as high as possible, yeah. As high as possible, yeah. Yeah, and you you can be... You know, I ha- I've had my own personally just, you know, we play around with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dom's really bad at that. Dom yeah, is like, he really you know, sample himself. size of one, he was giving himself, he was, because it's so keto adapted, he's giving himself insulin to the point where his blood sugar is like one, which would, know, most which people would be deadly. in a coma. Yeah, it's deadly. totally fine. <laughs> so so <laughs> I can get crazy. my ketone levels normal up to like eight, which would, you know, most people wow. see your ketoacidosis, that sort of thing. Uh, but, but typically I'm around two. Uh, when wow. I test it, and and yeah. I've been that way for like ten years. Two is pretty good. If you're therapeutically, you need to be sort of point five to uh, two or three is pretty good range for our for our clinical studies. Yep. Um, but you don't need to measure it. You know, even if you're not in ketosis, if if you just want to, if you really want to do the best thing to improve your health, and 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 there's a study in uh, in the Lancet, I think it was 2017 that looked at the global burden of chronic disease and looked at all the lifestyle factors and more than smoking, more than sedentary behavior, more than a lack of exercise, which is different from sedentary, more than alcohol consumption. The most important impact on the global burden of chronic disease is diet. Yep. And, and what we eat in the West is a diet for the average person is about 50% hyper-processed foods. Uh, very highly processed foods, which is basically anything in a package. And by the way, if the, if the package says Nutri on it, it's probably, <laughs> if they have to put it on there in the advertising, it's probably not good for you. So just ignore those. Um, but yeah, if it comes out of the you know ground or an animal or whatever, it's probably fine. Yeah, it's probably and, you know, fine. Maybe or, yeah, maybe it gets a little bit better. But if it comes out of a package, it's probably not. 
And, and, you know, so, so, you know, and the average like young person in the United States is eating about one sixth of their total calories. You know, people always talk about chemicals in their food and they're all worried mm-hmm. about that. And, but then they're eating all this sugar. And I go, well, like sugar is chemical. It's sucrose. Half of that sugar molecule is fructose, which is metabolized only by liver cells. And when it is, it produces about five toxic effects, wow. including, you know, increased triglycerides, increased uric acid, increased insulin resistance, uh, fructose. Uh, tumor necrosis factor alpha, and so from, from the fructose in there. Yeah. So it it's is a fruit, known- isn't it? And that's what yeah. as well, like, oh, yeah. you know, grapes yeah. and co, which are very high in fructose. <laughs> they, they didn't used to be, Lisa. I mean, the old, the original plant, I mean, we manipulate them, right? To these super sweet, I don't know if you have honey crisp apples. I know, yeah. I know New Zealand. Yeah, everything's yeah. honey, honey, honey ma- tomatoes yeah. and things like that. Super sweet like, everything, right? Yeah. And that, that fructose is the same molecule, whether it comes out of a sugar cube or whether it comes in an apple. Now, it might be absorbed a little more slowly if it comes in an apple, but... But but one sixth of the calories that young people are eating in in North America are fructose. Like that's how much sugar we're eating. Like yeah. pounds yeah. of the stuff, yeah. and it's a known hepatotoxin. So why don't we just start with not eating sugar, <laughs> and then let's get the high glycemic index stuff, the high the refined flours and wheats and all that stuff out of there, the processed food out of there, and let's get the seed oils out of there and focus more on the you know healthy and the you know that people canola's a seed oil. Like, I'm not a big yeah. fan of canola. No, I would no. say all oh no you say you're saying get no, it out of there. I'm yeah, saying yeah. get it out. Get it out. Yeah. yeah. Like and people think you know canola's okay and it's not. And because like, because you think be you know uh vegetable oils are vegetables they're good aren't they can you explain why that isn't and what what is the good oil? <laughs> yeah, well, I I, it, it, I have a little analogy in my book that I, I talk about, um, you know, people think it's if it's natural, it's good for you, right? <laughs> and I say, well, think about that apple on the tree. Now, why is that apple sweet? And it is sweet so that animals will eat it. Why? Because that's how plants can't run. They can't move around. They're stuck where they are. So in order to disperse themselves, they put the seeds in the fruit, seeds go on the ground, the animal eats it, the animal does the running around and poops the seeds out and the tree grows somewhere so it's not in its own shape, right? So the role of the apple is not to make us healthy, it's to get us to eat the thing for the like one day it goes through a digestive system, that's it. And the plant could care less if we live after that. (laughs) So so plants aren't there for good health, they're there to do whatever it is that makes the plant more successful. Keep that in mind when you think about what a fruit is and also, if you look at even broccoli, which I like, I mean, there are, there are tons of toxic chemicals in there that our bodies are designed to counteract and so on. But if you look at a piece of chicken or meat or an egg, there's almost no, none of those in there, right? So, so plants, because they can't run, they have to defend themselves against insects. And they do that by producing these toxic chemicals, which we can tolerate in low amounts. Yep. But let's not fool ourselves by thinking just because it's a plant, it's good for us. And if you, yeah, yeah. If you want to look at the oils, go and look up. Um, you know, petroleum refinery and get a Google picture of that. And then go and look up canola oil refinery. <laughs> and put those pictures side by side. And you'll go, oh my God, that's what a canola oil refinery looks like. And you'll say, yeah, is that not ultra pro? Plus it's very high in omega-6 fatty acids, which tend to be pro-inflammatory. And the we omega-3s, yeah. grass-fed. I know um, in New Zealand, we get a lot of your, I can't remember the butter name, but we get yeah, a lot of your grass-fed Anchor butter. or Frontier's butter. Yeah, we have good... Yeah, grass-fed yeah. beef and things like that here. And, yeah. and though the, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is important because with our ultra-processed diet, we have, and, and lots of vegetable oils, we have just 
omega-6s are good into a certain ratio, but because we have so many and our omega-3 ratio is not high enough, that's why we need to maybe consider having, you know, lots of fish or omega-3s or something mm. into the mix. I mean, the problem was every so, so, aspect. Or you can take supplements too. Yeah. You can yeah. take supplements. Now, the, the, yeah. Ideally, it's, it's yeah. about one-to-one of the omega-3 to the 6 and 9. Yeah. But, you know, realistically, if you have twice as much of the 6 and 9 to the 3, you're pretty good. Uh, the average... North America, we do it from skin samples and so on. The average North American is probably around 20. 20 to 1. Wow. And that's just so, so inflammatory. It's, it's so, seed oils. So, it's all yeah. the seed oils we're eating. Seed oils yep. are in all the processed foods, all the fast foods, all the stuff. Foods. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and and this is like there is problems in every aspect of our food chain. Part, you know, partly because we like you say we bred the tomatoes to be super sweet and the sweet corn to be X Y Z, and it and, and it's not its original what our ancestors ate even fifty years ago. And then you've got all the the crap in the ground, the the, the glyphosates and the you know, and then your E numbers that come in and your preservatives and your additives, and then the, you know that tomato sauce that you buy in the jar is no longer tomato sauce. It's got a hundred other ingredients, you know, um, and, and you've got to be just aware of these things so that you're not just fooled by it. And then you're looking at things, you know, certain vegetables, you know, have lectins, other ones have this, so they have that. Uh, some suck terrible things out of the ground, minerals and things. You know, it's not just because it's a plant, it's healthy. But when you start to go into this, like people go, well, what the hell do I eat? And I was like that for a life. Like I can, I can tell you something bad about every single food. And then you start going, what do I eat? And so, so that's why when we're counseling people, we say, listen, let's just get the trend right. So let's just reduce your sugar, reduce your high glycemic index, carbohydrate, the flours and so on. Let's get some of it. Let's just reduce that. Don't worry about absolutely everything and assume that, you know, one thing, but if we just go in that, in in the right trend, you're going to see a big difference, even if you're not in a state of nutritional ketosis, it's still going to benefit. So there's sort of a, and, and for you know, nutrition, there's, it's really complicated and there's so much information there. And and so it's hard for the average person to say, well, how do I weigh this off against that? Like, so if you're looking at, you know, a jar of, or or a bottle of uh, tomato sauce, um, yeah, you know, it may or may not have stuff in organic, maybe better not for you. But if you're comparing that to a can of soda, like pop, well, then it's obvious, right? So, so start with those choices, start with the obvious choices and, and and just work that tra- and then you'll find over time it's about and 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 you, you would know this from your past history it's about lifestyle and habit like developing good habits slowly right? developing yeah 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 and it's it turns out that most people eat about they eat the same ten meals kind of over and over again you know whatever <laughs> for their main meal of the day so if you can just find ten meals that are healthy that are nutritious that have you know full nutrition that are low in high glycemic index carbohydrates and and low in seed oils and sugar and 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 just start with that and then just reduce the other stuff you will find you get over the sugar craving you'll find that the great thing about eating uh, saturated fat by the way and this is this is tea it's a real great tea but it's got like whipping cream in it, full fat cream. Wow, I've got uh, exogenous ketones. Nice, nice. Uh, you, you, you'll find that the fat is so satisfying because that's what your body is actually looking for. Exactly. Is this is you the fat, and that's so where the flavor is and the texture is. And you'll say, well, I don't even like if I taste something sweet now, like one of these apples. And I, I, it's not like I don't eat apples. I just don't eat like I would never eat a whole apple. I would eat a slice of an apple as kind of a treat, but. 
I just find it super sweet right now because I've trained myself out of the need for sweet. Yeah. So I don't, uh, if I was to drink like, uh, you know, a a commercial soft drink, I won't mention any names, but I I think, I I don't know if I could even swallow it. It would just taste so cloyingly sweet to me. It would, it would probably turn me off. Yeah. And you do, you know, you do change your taste buds over time when you do it. And and I, you know, like I'm very big on the 80, 20 rule for life, you know, like if you have some treats, it's fine. Don't freak out about it. Just get back on the right direction. And do it consciously. Right, do it yeah. consciously. Yeah. So if you're going, let's say, um, you know, your daughter's getting married. I don't know if you have a daughter, but no. <laughs> and you're going to go to the wedding and you're going to have a piece of wedding cake. Just say, yeah, I'm going to have a piece of wedding cake. That's going to be it. Don't it's do fun. that. Don't do that. I'm going to wait till I get there and I'm going to try and resist. And then I'm going to be tempted. And I'm going to do it because then you're you're breaking down your own will there. Just say, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to have a piece of cake, but I won't the next day. You know, I'll be fine. Don't punish yourself. Don't beat yourself up. But do it consciously. Don't do that unconscious eating because especially when you're keto adapting, you will crave things. And that's where you have to find those substitutes. So maybe it's a little handful of nuts that you have instead of like a candy bar or something like that, that just gets the the fat, the calories in there that your body's craving. Your body go, yeah, yeah, I actually didn't need that sugar stuff. It was really just the fat and the you know, protein yeah. I was looking for. And, and can we just touch on that? Uh, and I know we have to wrap up in a minute, but the, um, the whole uh, transitioning into ketosis, and this is why I'm such a fan of exogenous ketones because it does help mm-hmm. that transition so you mm-hmm. don't get the keto flu. What is the keto flu? How do you avoid it? And also, there's a lot of talk um, around cyclic keto being very good. Um, so not staying in ketosis 100% of the time, well, unless you've got cancer or something, but um, you know, going in and out of the uh, ketosis state, if you like. Yeah. Can you just touch on those two points and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah, and I can I can sort of do my mention the book again too. Yes, so bio, so bio diet because uh, it, it, it's in here too. I talk about that. So it's if you want to have a look at it, biodiet.org. org. It's all one word. Yep. Biodiet.org. Okay. org. They'll take you to the website. And on the website, if you go on the resources tab, there's all kinds of things there. Are our, our, uh, I also have all the media stuff that I've done. If you want to listen to more podcasts and that sort of thing. So, um, so, so talking keto about flu. Yeah, what, keto what is- flu. Um, most of it, well, it's, there's cravings are a part of it. And when I talk about that, I think it's brilliant to use the MCT oil uh, at the first phase. I, in the five phase I have, the first phase, that's what you're doing is you're, you're actually using that to help your body get used to those ketones that it probably is not that familiar with. Although we produce ketones every night, you know, they're not unnatural. There's more of them. Um, but most of it is due to salt imbalance. So the, the phrase is you have to get the salts right. And when I talk about salts, yes, it's sodium. Um, uh, but all, but also potassium because only about three to five percent of people get enough potassium on a daily basis, and then also um, calcium. If you're not, you know, probably you're going to be eating a lot of dairy, so you don't need to worry about that uh, if you're eating meat, especially. But the other one's magnesium. Um, you know, magnesium has all kinds of things, Very so you important. probably need. So my sense is, if if you're healthy, you know, you don't have any kidney issues, just get lots of all of those and let your kidneys sort it out. Um, and a lot of the uh, issues are it's a uh, so it's, it can be a flu-like feeling, some nausea because of the ketones in your stomach, uh, change in stomach acid, some, you might get some brain fog, some sleep disturbances, uh, some dizziness and lightheadedness. These are the ones if you're on antihypertensive, you have to be so careful have about. To reduce your medications. Well, you do in that first phase, you do lose a lot of water. You'll lose about yeah. maybe 10 pounds of water in the first couple of weeks. And the reason for that is it's one of the things that we haven't talked too much about insulin today, but one of the things that insulin does, is it causes you to reabsorb 
salt from your urine. And when where salt goes, water goes. And when you have more water going back into your blood from your urine, that raises your blood volume, that raises your blood pressure. Wow. So when you're adapting to ketogenic diet, the opposite happens. So your insulin levels are low. So the sodium is peed out. The water goes with it. Your blood volume drops and your blood pressure will drop proportionally, wow. which is exactly what a diuretic does. You know, the yeah. hydrochlorothiazide that they'll usually prescribe as a first stage for uh, for hypertension. So it, so you get the benefit without having to take the drug if you do that. So right. so a lot of it is just that, that, that sort of thing. So getting the salts right, you could just get like some consomme or something like that and just eat a couple of it, it, it may, you know it might kind of not be the thing you want to eat but it really helps uh the salts yeah and i think i think preloading the system with mct oil getting your body used to that and then um you know just just remind yourself this is going to last for a couple of days and then i'm going to feel good and, and if you're lucky you might get that harper high where all of a sudden you just wake up i got that myself i just woke up one day and i thought Oh wow, this is fantastic! The world is a wonderful place. <laughs> Jumped out of bed, tons of energy, and here I am, ten years later, feeling the same way. Like it doesn't wow. go away, so it's fantastic. Yeah, and that clear brain and that yeah ability to function at such a high level. And so that's a very transitory thing. And I like the fact you know like taking exogenous ketones to help your body get into ketosis and also to have a more effective ketosis. And then you know if you're not in a very strict, so I'm not always in a strict keto diet for myself. I mummers, but I, you know I'm. In and out, but I have ketones in my body. My body recognizes it, so I'm becoming more metabolically flexible, but I don't have to be 100% strict all the time. Um, and so, you know, the cycling in and out of ketosis is that a, a a good thing and because you know there is some concern around if you're permanently in ketosis can affect your thyroid can of slow down your metabolism um the cholesterol levels are, 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 can go up yep. are these you know concerns if you're in it in a constant state of ketosis uh, i'm more concerned about cycling in and out of it i don't think that's good uh, that's my general feeling is okay. you should get in there and stay in there. That's the natural human state. You know, we've managed to survive for 99% of our lifestyle without carbohydrates is a big part of our diet. And that's okay. the way humans are. Um, that, I think so. Um, you know, these five and two things, I, I'm just not a big fan of, of those. Um, so uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cycle, but, uh, you know, yes. I mean, my wife's an example of somebody, she may be what you call a lean mass hyper responder. Is she, uh, you know, she, she has high uh, LDL cholesterol. Now it's yeah. about a third of women that are postmenopausal will experience in particular women, men too, but uh, high LDL cholesterol, but just that their HDL, the so-called good cholesterol goes up. Which is um, good. Yeah. And because that goes up with saturated fat. So on their triglycerides, their blood go down, the high sensitivity CRP goes down, like all the other markers, blood pressure, fine. She's had a coronary calcium score, zero, yeah. you know, so there's no sign of any, but she does have this high LDL. So, so we're trying to, and, and some people are it like is that. that um, bad. You know, we don't actually... I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a physician. I should don't tell that to your listener. I'm not a physician. So, but, but from a scientific perspective, I think it's kind of, um, there's a reason it's going up, but that reason may not be a bad thing. And it's probably not the cause of coronary artery disease. And so, you know, the, 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 the idea just put everybody on a stat and well, you know, you get a, three percent of people, you know, three percent improvement in overall mortality and so on, which is, not yeah, that, it and, and it turns out if you look at postmenopausal women with high uh, high LDL, they actually have better lifespan. So, 
the book's out on that one. We could we could have a, a whole other show. I'd love to have. I'd love to come back and talk about what ketones do, and then we could talk a little bit about. Uh, we're just writing up our papers, so in another couple of weeks, I could talk about some of the results of our studies uh, at, at OSU, which are uh, exciting yep. and very positive. Um, so uh, if we could use that as a segue to our, to our yeah, next chat, that'd be great. Is that in relation to cancer? Is it uh, the, the, the breast cancer research? Is that the one that's coming in? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that'll be interesting. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I've, uh, you know, um, uh, followed Dave Asprey's work a lot, another fellow yes. Canadian, um, and he talks quite a lot about the cycling of the of the keto. So it'd be interesting to, uh, you know, go and re-examine his work, why he says this. And, um, and I think, you know, like there's still areas that are, um, changing and, and a lot of things do depend also on your specific genetics, you know, like just looking at, oh, yeah, absolutely. you know, some people don't respond to statins, some people do, you know, it depends on which genes you have and what they're doing. Um, however, so, however, the statin, all, all drugs have side effects. So you get oh, yeah. the side effects. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, but <laughs> even if the drug isn't doing its job. You know, if it's yeah. staying around too long in the body, if it's not doing its job, uh, I have mum on statins at the moment because we're blocking the fatty acid synthesis pathway specifically mm -hmm. to stop those getting to the tumours, you know, so that has a specific reason yeah. in regards to the cancers because they're using it as an off-label drug just as a by, by the by. Um, so, you know, it does do good things and bad things. But, um, no, no, I, I, I'm, not, again, I'm not a physician and there are certainly reasons that people should be on statins. I'm yeah. just not sure that it should be given to everybody. Just if they're no. single-minded about LDL, I think that's yeah. that may not be the right thing. And, and, and it may be that statins, the benefit it has, it has an anticoagulation effect, a mild anticoagulation, and that may be what's causing the improvement in mortality. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's lots of other people out there. Uh, you know, Dave Asprey is a uh, you know, fellow Canadian um, uh, he's bulletproof. I think is his product. Oh, I, I yes. use it. I, I don't pitch products, but I use his, and it's that's good because I, I've actually talked to Dave, and it is pure C eight. Yes, uh, which is it's the one really you want, which quality. is eight carbons. Yeah, yeah. it's expensive yeah. though, but uh, it is. You know, it, it is. It is. Yeah, and, and and sometimes good quality stuff is expensive when you produce it right and so on. But um, well, but yeah, how it, how how expensive is it to be sick? I mean, exactly. I had this <laughs> argument with my with my brother yesterday. You know, he's got um, some uh, hip issues, and I'm like trying to get him to take certain supplements and things to help improve to maybe delay having to have operation. Yeah. Ah, that costs too much, and I'm like. Ah. You yeah. know, an operation is an operation. It has risks and it's complications. It has, you, you've got to be in a waiting list anyway. You know, why not have less yeah. pain in the meantime, you know, <laughs> less inflammation. Um, and, but, there's, you know, people just will spend it on a brand new car or they'll spend it on, to, I'd rather spend it on my health. <laughs> my family's health. It's my well. The, the, the measure of the value <laughs> of something is when you take it away, what happens? And if you take <laughs> someone's good health away, Nothing else matters. Nothing. You have a thousand dreams when you have your house. You have one dream when you don't have your house. And so the most important lifestyle lifestyle decision you make every day is what's on the end of your fork. So. That's, a great, way to, <laughs> that's a great way to wrap it up. Dave, thank you so much for your time today. You've been oh, so generous. And it's been an absolute fun ride to learn yep. so much from you. I've learned a couple of new things and, and taken a new couple of perspectives on things. So really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, and I'm a teacher, so when I hear somebody say they learned something, I always appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> let's do this again when you're ready, anytime. Yep. You know where to find me. Okay, and, and bioDiet.org is... BioDiet.org. 
And thank you again, uh, Lisa, for, for providing this very important podcast to help people achieve optimal health. We need more people like you that are looking at the science. And uh, and I think you're doing a great service to people. And hello to uh, all the folks there in, in New Zealand and and all my Maori friends and, and uh, my friends. I have friends in Auckland and Christchurch. Uh, if they're listening, hello and uh, stay healthy and happy. And hopefully we'll chat again soon. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 